Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jonathan Carroll. I'm Nathan Morris. This is episode 83 it is. of You'll Die Trying, a podcast between two people for a lot of other people where we talk about stuff. Yep. You're here, we're here. Let's get this thing going. We look really good right now. It's cute. I'm literally fresh out of my swimming pool. Yeah, well, it's raining. Yeah, I jumped in and then I jumped out because it started thundering and there was no lifeguard on duty to tell me to get out, so you Joy had, did. Yeah, you had to use your common sense. That was good. That was sweet. Yeah, no. Joy said we should get out. Yeah. I was like, really? What are the chances? Well, apparently they're pretty... S- Solid because someone was struck by lightning at Murray State University's campus. Real today? No, not today. Oh. A couple of weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. I know a man who was a parishioner in congregation I served last, who was struck by lightning on the golf course. Went through his golf club handle and out his foot. Oh, he survived it. Wow. I had a professor in college who had two PhDs, two sets of twins, and had been struck by lightning twice. And he's survived yeah, both times, he obviously. Be, he lived to be probably early 80s. I don't know if that's luck or what. I don't know something. what it is. It sounds like a curse. Yeah. I never took any of his classes as a result. Because <laughs> you didn't want him to rub off on you. Mm-mm. Hey, today, before we get going on what we're going to talk about, I do want to address last episode when we discussed bullies. Wow, what a response, especially from the individual in which we were talking uh, to and in regards to they reached out and they had posted a, a status actually sharing our episode thanking us thanking yeah. you and me and we're grateful for that so very much thank you to her thank you if you are listening again thank you so much for uh, thinking that what we were what we were saying to you and to so many uh, was thought-provoking so anyway I just wanted to acknowledge that. Yeah, I think that um, the topic of bullying is one that um, speaks to many. And uh, as I, we can tell by the analytics of that episode, it has um, been heard a lot of times and people have sent messages, not only the person about whom we spoke, but also people whom you know and people I know have reached out and have said something. So I'm grateful for that and grateful for an ongoing conversation. Um, because these these are not uh, conversations that happen in a vacuum. They happen in a context where these are real-life events and real-life people, including us, experiencing these things, and we're all just trying to figure out how to do this together. And, um, you know, it's interesting because these episodes aren't time-bound. They are available in perpetuity. So hopefully... Uh, the content will continue to reach people a generation from now. And uh, I'm certain that the reality of bullying will still be as pressing one as it is now. Yes. Since it always has been. Always has been. As old as insecurity itself. Mm. 
today's topic you bring to the table? Would you like to introduce it? I was thinking this morning, my mother called me last week, last week, so it has been one week since I had a call from her to which I was extremely busy uh, working at the funeral home. We had three visitations going simultaneously, and the rule is, is you do not answer your phone. You do not be seen on your phone, so I was not going to do that. By the time I did get to my phone, it was around 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. Obviously, my mom, since I've known it, uh, I always called her an old fart when I was little too because she'd go to bed early whenever I got around to talking to to calling her. And I thought about her this morning. I was like, I have not talked to her. And I was like, it has to be really hard to be a parent in this instance or a family member in someone in my profession to someone in my profession because they don't understand. They kind of understand. And then I thought about you and I was like, okay. <laughs> It's like the veil of secrecy. Let's be very honest. It's almost it's you, it's confidentiality, but it's it's downright. You have to keep secrets, right? So it's like, how was your day? Fine. <laughs> That's like like I envision these conversations between you and Joy, and I know she has to be a great sport about it. I mean, you're in closed doors with other women, and you know things like that. But when you're speaking personally, I'll speak. It has to be really hard to be a parent to me in my profession to. Also, be a parent to not one but two funeral directors. John, mm-hmm. you know, we don't get to go to family functions, and we're called out at Christmas opening gifts. It's happened literally every year. So, I want to talk about that. Like you listening, what's? I wonder if you've ever thought, man, what is it like for my friends and family to be friends and family to me, and the life that I am in, and the service that I'm doing? Yeah. I'm imagining that a lot of disciplines have call schedules. <clears throat> I know someone who is a CRNA, guy I referred to earlier. He's my running buddy, my friend Michael. He uh, he's a, a on call twenty five percent of his of his life. You know, every fourth day he's on call. So he's a certified registered nurse anesthetist. So he's busy putting people to sleep and doing spinal taps and epidurals and blocks and that kind of thing. And uh, he's on call every fourth day plus, you know, regular shift work. There are people who obviously are on call constantly, you know, within the profession you're in. Profession that I used to be in, I was always on call. I was the only person. So I didn't get to share that call with anybody. So it was literally a 24-7 gig. And it wasn't just the people I was serving in the congregation. It was the people who are a part of their lives, extended family, you know, so lovingly people wanted their pastor with them, which I loved. Uh, It just meant there's a lot of times when you had to put your family to the side. There are plenty of vacations and other things that got interrupted. So my guess is, and and I've talked with Joy about this a lot, that it, it isn't easy I think it's different for me now because I get to set my own schedule, but the the weight and the load of the schedule is such now that with you know operating on a wait list, my operating hours have expanded to try to fit people, especially people with more critical needs. So um, you know the opening and closing of the day has expanded to be almost unbearable, I would say, and still operating with people who are waiting to get in, which is hard. But um, I think it would be hard to be a spouse or parent or child of someone 
who is um, who's away because of work. Think about people who travel, you know, Monday through Friday and they come back on the weekends. There are a lot of people whom I see and talk to whose father or mother, you know, were gone all week and then came back on the weekends and the other parent had to keep the fort down, raise the kids, take them everywhere, pay the bills. And then uh, here comes the other parent. And, you know, I think it's probably a little disruptive. Absolutely. You know, you walk in at the end of a day maybe and your wife and boys are operating in a certain way and you walk in and it disrupts the dynamic, the power shifts, the, the, the chaos ensues. And, you know, I think that's probably hard on the person who was there and had everything kind of like they wanted it, like they needed it. I'm sensitive to that when I walk in, try to take stock of what's going on, take inventory of the emotional realities and see if I can blend into that a little bit. So I guess it's different for you because your spouse also does what you do and has a 100% understanding of the demands of that life. Yes, they do, but it's also she's a spouse too and she wants her spouse home. Yeah. Even though she understands what it is I do. And then people in my family who don't understand what I do and, you know, I'm invited. I missed my grandmother's. This is... It sounds funny to you listening, but you know she had a, a momentous ninetieth, ninety first birthday. Ninety, anyway, it's in the nineties. Like it's, I would assume, I think it's ninetieth because all of my family from Texas to uh, Georgia, all over the country, had come in to celebrate, mm. and I was unable to attend. Mm. I was not able to attend, and that was a big deal. You know, Megan went with the kids and. Uh, my place, but I didn't get to see my uncles and aunts whom I love to see and talk to and like pick their brains and listen to their stories and see grandmother. And, you know, you miss out on all kinds of things, all kinds of things. And then when you do get to go to those things, you get called out. So then it's almost like you, you have to take a, in my case, a change of clothes to be in a suit. There are many a times uh, before kids even, we would take we would go out to events and stuff, and I would take a suit. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't wearing one. I'd take a suit with me. People are like, why do you have a suit? I'm like, well, if I get a call, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's just one of those frustrating things. And then there, you know, we've had previous uh, uh, podcasts towards the beginning of this show about work life balance and how it's not a balance. I mean, it's it's not a, a work life balance. It literally is just life. It's life. And <clears throat> so there's that aspect of this. But it, like, is this? all for not, is this worth it? Is this life (laughs) or is this life what you want? I think those are questions for those of us, for those of you who are listening to kind of ask yourself right now. You know, we can even touch base on the, on the individual who is commuting two hours to work every day, making an awesome salary, but they can't, Yeah, they're miserable and they can't cut uh, out the job altogether because they have to maintain the lifestyle to take care of the, the, their family's needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are the thoughts that were going through my head, and I don't even know necessarily where this episode's going, to be honest with you. Sure. But I think it's something to con, you know converse about and talk about. Two things come to mind. Number one, I'll name them, and then we can go back if they're worth anything. Number one is to talk about cost-benefits analysis and is there purpose and is it worth it, number one. Number two... What was number two? 
I feel I'm happy that that it happened was my, to you. It was my better of the two things. I can't remember. We'll go back to the first one. Okay. Cost benefit analysis. Is it worth it? You asked. Is it worth it? And it, what's the it on both sides of that sentence? Good question. It is. Okay. Speaking. I remember what number two is. Dance. Thank you. Number one. Is, is it worth it? It being my profession worth it, meaning the sacrifice or. You know, the idea of uh, punching in at eight and punching out at five and literally unplugging and being totally fine and just being a worker bee forever is kind of cool thought to mm-hmm. a degree. Mm-hmm. My answer to is it worth it? Yes. Sometimes. Sometimes. Right. If we're honest. A lot of times it is worth it. Yeah. A lot of times it is not worth it. Right. What and about that, you? That, well, I mean, back in the day when I was you know, on call 24-7. I did it out of love, not out of have to. There, I think being a pastor of a congregation can be one of the easiest jobs in the world, can be one of the hardest jobs in the world. And I think when you do it really, really well, it's one of the hardest and it's the it's not always very rewarding. It tends to be kind of thankless, uh, which is fine. But there were a lot of times when I would say, even though I loved it, it wasn't worth it. Now, my work, I would say it's absolutely worth it, but it's different now because I get to create my own schedule. So, you know, if I know that we're going to podcast on a Monday morning at 9.30 or 10 o'clock, I know that I can schedule that out a couple of weeks and make sure that that's safe. I couldn't do that if I were in a different situation because there are times when you can't because duty calls and it yes. interrupts you know the the plan and that's what plans are made for to get interrupted. So I don't know that it's always worth it. I think the work that I'm doing right now and the amount of stress and exhaustion that comes with it's absolutely worth it because I get to see every day people have aha moments and they touch on some deep part of of themselves that they hadn't been in conversation with before and to see that light come on and to see that path unravel, it's just, that's amazing. I had someone compliment you in their therapy journey, therapeutic journey rather. They openly told me that they had seen another therapist and they thought it was the most ridiculous thing in the entire world. And they just were watching the clock and couldn't wait till it ended because it didn't make any sense to them. And then they went to you and they were nervous going in too. And the next thing you know, they are having this incredible conversation and they felt meaning and they walked out and they were excited and invigorated and they said that it was totally worth it. Mm, thank you for saying Pretty that. Pretty awesome. That's very nice. Yeah. So it is neat you. That, that you do feel... Um, I love it. It is worth it. Yeah, totally worth it. Yep. Uh, I don't... Okay, so the second thing that I wanted to touch on and it does relate to that is I do believe that the relationships we're in are oftentimes experienced by us as kind of a tug of war. Like you're, you are on one side and your job or your responsibilities or maybe your spouse, someone's on the other side and y'all are both pulling and there's a tremendous amount of tension. And at some point, something gives way and the other side comes collapsing in, right? And I think a lot of relationships falter, whether they be romantic or familial or collegial, because 
we see them as a tug of war kind of dynamic. When I think we do better to think of relationships like a dance. If we are dance partners, whether or not we know how to dance, which as you know, in my case, I'm terrible. I did a little jig this morning for joy outside because the rain had stopped and I was kind of excited and did a little dance and she just looks at me, you know, she smiles and she's so benevolent in her understanding of how much skill I lack in dancing. But nonetheless, it's still fun to do. But I think dan- when, you, when you learn to dance with someone, you learn the steps or you learn the rhythm. You learn what it feels like to move along with something that's outside of you. And there's something inside of you that's connected to that. When you're doing it with another person, you know, as you know, again, I watch So You Think You Can Dance. I watch uh, World of Dance. We love watching those shows. Uh, yes, of course. I, they always make me cry. Music moves me. Dance moves me. But when you see these people dance together like they're two halves of one person, it is so compelling and so moving to me. And there's tension. There's drama. There's conflict inherent in dance. But the rhythm and the movement and the fluidity and the, and the partnership is so oftentimes perfect that even the tension and the conflict are experienced as part of the beauty of it. And it wouldn't be as beautiful without it. And I think relationships at our best are called to be that dance where yes, there's tension and yes, there's conflict and yes, there's difference and there's independence. There's also though this draw toward one another and there is fluidity of motion and there is synchronicity and there's musicality and there's playfulness. There's drama, not just the hard stuff, but the good stuff and all of it together is what makes the dance give you the goosebumps. It's what makes you cry. It's what gives gives you such deep appreciation for the art of it. Relationships are a dance. So for people who have jobs like yours, like mine maybe, like others who have who are in shift work or they have call schedules and there's always somebody left behind to take care of the kids, et cetera. I think they learn the steps to that part of the dance. And even though it's not their favorite part of the dance, they know that it's leading somewhere. It's leading to the best part and they know they're going to get there. Yeah, I think, I just think a lot about the sacrifices and you know the missing outs and all that and it sounds almost as if I'm being negative and I'm not in this this 83rd episode I'm I'm just reflective if anything it's are you currently in a job in a position that requires time time in which you are constantly giving and uh, which obviously you give something that means you take from something really mm-hmm. right so uh, is it is it worth it is it worth it for you and those are questions that's a actually that's the question to ask yourself you know is this just a stepping stool stepping stone rather stepping stone you know what what we've learned about this is as a family especially as a blended family and i've always been this way but it's even more important now that missing out on major events sometimes it's just unavoidable mm-hmm. and as a result it is sad However, 
Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthdays, anniversaries, retirements, those things can be celebrated when we all say we're going to celebrate them. So for those of you who have to work like nurses, for instance, uh, firefighters, police, first responders of all kinds, who have to work on Christmas, say. I remember at the fire station growing up, on Christmas, I would always go in because I, I didn't have to, but I felt like that crew had to, that shift, A shift, B shift, I was on B shift. B shift had to be there. So I would go in at some point. You know, I'd break off from the family. I, had, I could drive. So I would go in and see the people and if a call came in while I was there, I'd go. And their families would come to the fire station and they would all bring food and they would have this Christmas together as a shift with all the firefighters and their spouses and children. And what was typically a three person or four person, if I was their team, became a room of like 15 or 20 people. And here come all these gifts and this food. At any minute, the printer, it was an old dot matrix printer, would start printing, and then you knew, here comes the tones across the, the alarm system and then the bell goes off and we're, we're out. But you know, you hoped and prayed that for a few minutes anyway, you could all just be there and be in that moment right before something else took you away and you got to really kind of live into that. And it taught me that holidays and birthdays and things, days to celebrate and remember and give thanks, we, they, they happen when we say they need to happen. So if that means we all go to the fire station, if that means everyone kind of brings the party to where you are, um, that's okay too. If it means we celebrate five days after the birthday, who cares? We're celebrating, we're together. It's not dependent on what the calendar says. It's dependent on what the family says it's, it's capable of. And that may mean that they all get together and I can't, and we do something else later and we memorialize or commemorate what was missed by not being, being able to be there. That's true. I'm going in October to Texas because my cousin Georgia and her fiance, John, are getting married. And so I'll be able to see them then and be able to celebrate accordingly. So it'll be nice. It'll be really nice. Yeah, and if you have to miss the trip, they'll just have to postpone and get yes. married another day. I think that's a great idea. I, we better not. I, we bought the plane tickets and the hotel room, and I saw the bill for those. So <laughs> Non-refundable. <laughs> Non-refundable bill. What town in Texas? Uh, the Woodlands. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's very nice. Yes, very, very outside nice. Of, yes. Outside of the DFW area. We are staying in this, uh, I don't know, there are two hotels, one of which was a really nice hotel. The other one was this incredible resort. We're like, we're staying at the resort. The, the it's like resort area. It was, <laughs> it was so nice. Of course. Find an excuse to go. We're like, yeah, okay, I guess we'll go to my cousin's wedding. No, we're really excited. Georgia and I, sorry, change the subject real quick. Georgia and I, so there are four of us cousins who are the exact same age. It goes Jessica, David, my cousin David, who's passed away, Georgia, and then myself. Mm. So we're all literally months apart. And Georgia and I grew up on the on the uh, modem. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. You've got mail. Yeah. And we would sit and just instant message each remember other. And dial just, up. Yes, I remember dial up. It's amazing. And we, we you know, we st- would see each other twice a year, but we would always talk on the computer every day. Mm-hmm. And we became like really good buds. So 
She came to our, my wedding, of course. It's, Are you in it? No, I'm not in her wedding. So Georgia you get to enjoy it. Yeah. Is Georgia a listener? I hope so. Best wishes, Georgia. Yeah. Oh, she will be now because then I'll just write her and say, hey, we talk about you an awful lot in this episode, 83. It's exciting. Yeah, it really is. Congratulations to John, who doesn't have the name of a state. That's true. Georgia's a good name. Georgia. I thought Virginia would be a cool name. Georgia. So one of the things we've been doing, speaking of travel, is you know we're in a bit of a show hole, uh, Joey and I. Some of the shows that we've enjoyed uh, have come to their seasons ending. And I didn't know what that meant. A show hole? I get it now. I'm sorry. I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm going to say it. I think it was a term coined by a commercial for the Amazon Fire Stick. And it was a woman knitting, and she was knitting a Snuggie. And it was a blanket that went all the way up her body because she was sitting there watching so much TV, she couldn't stop knitting, so she's completely covered. And all of a sudden, she has this look of shock, and it's because she was in a show hole. That's what the guy said. It's actually really creative. Which meant I, my shows are no longer running, and I have nothing to watch. I'm so I can't hole. knit anymore. So we, we have taken to watching travel videos on YouTube. Now, for those of you who don't really understand YouTube... It is the best of television and cable, all combined. There are channels, infinite. It is 100% free with the exception of your internet service provision fees. And there is literally a number of videos about anything that you can imagine. And many of them are very educational. So as we start thinking about you know the next trip, big trip we want to take, we start watching videos and we get introduced to these videographers who are really excellent photographers, videographers, and, and editors, film editors, as well as narrators and travelers. And they put all that together and they've created full-time jobs out of being social media influencers by traveling and vlogging about their travels, which is pretty genius and amazing, right? So we love to watch all this stuff. And... We get in this thing and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I want to research suitcases. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so then I'm like, you know, YouTube search, compare the best carry-on suitcases because I'm moving to a strictly carry-on lifestyle. I will never check another bag as long as I live. That's my goal. I will update you probably the very next trip and tell you that I failed that goal. But and my goal, lost all of your luggage. <laughs> my goal is to never check another bag as long as I live. So... Uh, I'm, you know, over there researching these things. Then I'm looking at travel books, and then I'm looking at guides, and then I'm. Lo- it's like it's it's a it's a rabbit hole, and it's so much fun. I love 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 traveling. So we'll finish watching a couple of videos. I mean, they're normally 10, 12 minutes long. Nothing too much. Not too much shorter than a sitcom minus commercials. And it feels like we've been somewhere. Oh, that's cool. It's really cool. It's like wow. I feel like I know. I know a lot more about that country. I know a lot more about the landscape, the people, the food, the language, the culture, the expectations, the safety concerns, travel considerations, lodging options, what kind of types of beaches they have. That's fantastic. F- completely free. I don't know why more. And I, people obviously are doing it. I mean, these people have millions and millions of views on these videos. I 
There's literally videos of paint drying. Type it in. You'll, sure. You can watch that. I love sure. my rabbit holes. Do you know where I always start? It's really stupid, but I end up in some crazy rabbit holes <laughs> with James Corden. I don't know why. Okay. I, whenever he, uh, uh, Will Smith and them were promoting Aladdin, they do the crosswalk uh, performances where they go out there and, you know, they just do the uh, song from the show or whatever. And then the next thing, you know, it's like suggested videos. And I, I'm in, I'm, you know, traveling with antelopes and gazelle. That's is antelope is just plural too, as well. The antelope. I just literally said antelopes, like the deers. Deers. The deers. And well, the... it is beers, although I prefer beer singular. Would you like three beer? <laughs> My grandmother used to say years, but she would say year. Like he's six year old. <laughs> My father's mother, Ava, Ava oh, Gray. That's a cool name. I like Ava. Mm-hmm. It's it's enjoying a vogue. It's what? It, it's coming back. What are you speaking English? Sorry. Speak as the English. I fell into Francais. Uh, I speak as a Dutch. Sprechen Sie Deutsch. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> well, let's uh, do a quick circle back. I think it's important. To, that's a part of a dance, isn't it? Yeah. Cyclical nature. Right. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah. Yep. Just where you are right this very moment listening to this episode, if you are like, man, my parents or my brother or my sisters or whatever, don't understand my job and the time in which it takes and all the stuff I have to miss. And one, you don't owe explanations for things. That could not be better said right there. You don't owe anyone an explanation. That is something that's taken me a very long time, and I have to remind myself an awful lot. Even when I send text messages, it's like, hey, do you want to do this? And I, instead of saying, well, what happened was is that the carrots fell off of the counter onto the floor, the dog started to eat them, the baby got chipped. That's just really dumb. It didn't happen, I promise. Uh, you don't owe anyone an explanation. And just, I think it's very important for you to seek, find, uh, hold tight to contentment to a degree. I used to be scared of it, but I think it's important to be that and to also slide your empty drink can across the podcast suite desk. Also, remember to view your relationship as a dance rather than, so sorry, rather than as a tug of war. Your relationship is a dance. It's not a tug of war. Remind each other to collaborate, to meet each other's needs rather than to fight to preserve your own. I like that. Nathan is literally wiping <laughs> down my leg with a pink cupcake rag. That is that is not at all false. Because some beverage spilled out <laughs> on it from my spilled can. Rather than fight to preserve your needs and your relationship, view it as a dance. Collaborate. Communicate. Let your partner know what it is that you want and need. Let your partner tell you what it is that he, she wants and needs. And then figure out a way to meet both rather than sacrificing one, which builds resentment and bitterness. And especially is this true when you don't feel like you have enough time together. I know of a couple where because of their work schedules, one works nights, one works days, they literally barely see each other. Maybe one day on the weekend, do they actually see each other for more than, you know, in passing? That would be a really hard lifestyle, but I think that is a lifestyle for a lot of people. 
And especially when there are children involved, it is very hard to meet the needs of the kids, make all the responsibilities, be held accountable to everything that adults have to do, pay the bills, make sure the repairs are done, mow the yard. It's so hard, so stressful. But people do it, and they do it because they have figured out that it isn't a fight, it's a dance. And they're committed to the same vision, even though they are seeing that vision, some during the day and the other at night. It's the same perspective, same direction, shoulder to shoulder, common vision. That's what makes it work. We appreciate you coming along on this 83rd episode of You'll Die Trying. Be sure to visit youldietrying.com. Be sure to visit facebook.com forward slash you'll die trying podcast. Leave us a voice message, anchor.fm forward slash you'll die trying, or email us, you'll die trying podcast at gmail.com. I'm Jonathan Carroll. I'm Nathan. Before we go, I have a question, two questions for you. Okay. One, does your butt cheek ever fall asleep when you sit in a chair? No, I try to move around. Two, are you enjoying coming over for hot dogs and hamburgers? I'm not sure yet. Oh my gosh. Thank you for asking. We're, we're not sure what we're going to do. I'm glad you. Thank you for the invite, though. I'm excited to be able to